Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, welcome to the show. So glad that you joined me today. And we are continuing to talk about this idea of suffering and that Job's name is synonymous with suffering. And we know that Jesus was also called a man of sorrows. And I want to go back and just reiterate this verse in James chapter 1, and it's verses 2 through 4. And when we are considering this idea of suffering and, and whatever it is that we're going through in our life that feels just like it's going to kill us, okay, what we see in James is it says, this is faith under pressure. And consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open, shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. And, and I really want to make a clarification here because <clears throat> sometimes we can really fall into condemnation. And it says, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. Now, some of these tests and some of these challenges are from the enemy of our soul, from other people's sin, uh, from living in a fallen body. Sometimes the tests and challenges are our own sin. But God says, listen, stay with it. Let it do its work. He's not condemning us. He knows we have sin, and he knows m many times much of our sin brings its own suffering, right? And so God is saying kindly to us, it's a gift. The tests and challenges that come at you from all sides, that means outside and inside and sideways, that it's, it's under pressure. Your faith life is forced into the open, and it shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature, well-developed, not deficient in any way. So remember, this is the testimony of Job, and he is our brother. And he was known as God's friend. He was called a friend of God, and he, but he challenged God. See, God heard, heard Job's cry and responded to him by telling him who he was, who God was. He reminded Job of who he was because he says, who can confront me and get away with it? I'm in charge of all this. I run this universe. And in verse 40, chapter 42, verse 1, Job says, hey, I'm convinced, I'm convinced you can do anything and everything. Nothing and no one can upset your plans. And then we see in chapter 42, verse 10, this is really important because God restores Job, amazingly so. But it, what it says 
In verse 10, it says, After Job interceded for his friends, God restored his fortune and then doubled it. So this intercession process that we do for each other and this forgiveness process that we do with ourselves, that we intercede on ourselves on our own behalf and we forgive ourselves and we remind ourselves of who God is. And we intercede for our friends and we pray for them. We pray for our accusers. And it says that God blessed Job's later life even more than his earlier one. He ended up with 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 teams of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. He also went on to have seven sons, three daughters. And he named the first daughter Dove, the second one Cinnamon, and the third was Dark Eyes. There was not a woman in the country as beautiful as Job's daughters. Their father treated them as equals with their brothers, providing the same inheritance. I mean, this is a man way ahead of his time. It's, it's, it's quite fascinating. And we, what we really learn, what we can really learn from this man's incredible life, because it went on to say that Job lived on another 140 years, living to see his children and grandchildren, four generations of them. And then he died, an old man full of life. So we want to make note of this. When nothing is making sense and our future looks bleak with no hope, we must remember that, that chapter 55 in Isaiah, his ways are not our ways. And he's the great restorer he can restore anything. He can do better than what our best is. He can double down. He can do more than we ever could hope for or imagine. And put, he can put our world right side up when it is upside down. That's our trust. So what do we learn from this incredible man's life? Well, number one, we're able to take the good times and the bad times. This is what Job told his wife in chapter 2, verse 10, when, he, when she encouraged him to curse God and die. He says to her, you're talking like an empty-headed fool. We take the good days from God, why not also the bad days? And not once through all this did Job sin. He said nothing against God. He did not speak against God. He questioned God. He challenged God. He wanted some explanations. He wanted to understand. But he didn't ever speak against God. He didn't defame God's character. He just said, why? I don't understand. My name is suffering. And so I, I would like to be able to say, not once did I sin. I, I'm never going to be able to say that. But this is remarkable that this man said to his wife, you're talking like an empty-headed fool. We take the good days from God. Why don't we take the bad days as well? And so the second thing that we can learn from this man's life, we are to be honest with God. See, honesty, that's what friendship and intimacy is about. This is good for our soul. We can be called a friend of God. And we can deepen our intimacy with him 
by recognizing that we're just to talk frankly with God about what we're thinking, what we're feeling, what we don't understand, what we think might be happening. We can ask for explanation. We can ask God for insight. But then we also just accept the fact that sometimes his ways aren't our ways, his thoughts aren't our thoughts, and we're never going to comprehend our life completely. And so we're very honest with God because he knows our heart anyways. It's not like he doesn't hear it. Even if we're not speaking it, he still hears it. So the best thing we can do is to be friends with God and talk frankly with him. What's the third thing that we learn from Job? That we refuse to be like Job's friends. We don't want to be Job's friends. We don't want to be like the wife of Job either. We don't want to assume that we know why they are in the state they are in. And we want to resist telling others what's wrong with them and assuming their condition is because of some great sin. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But it's really none of our business in that way. So we don't want to tell people what's wrong with them, right? It doesn't mean we don't confront our friends, um, our spouses, our children, certainly confronting ourselves, but we want to do it without judgment. And when our friends are judging us, when the world judges us, when parents or spouses or neighbors, whoever it may be, employees, our boss judges us, what do we do? We intercede for them the way that Job did for his friends. And that is one of the ways we ensure blessing in our life. And so we don't want to think that there's some great um, simple cause and effect for someone's suffering. So we're not going to judge others, but we're going to comfort them in their suffering. I mean, I don't know about you, but I really don't need to be told what I'm doing wrong. It's really not rocket science. (laughs) I know what I'm doing. I know the things that are wrong. I know right and wrong. So it doesn't really help me when someone points out the obvious. What it does, what really does help is comfort. Comfort in my own suffering. And especially if the suffering that I'm experiencing is because of my own doing. I'm causing my own suffering. It's wonderful when I have someone that comes alongside and is just comforting and non-judgmental. That helps me out of my sin sooner than anything. And it's kind of this strange, um, it's like, it, it just kind of feels backwards. Because it feels like if we just got really bad consequences, that would stop us from sinning. But many times, <coughs> that actually increases some of our sin because we're already in pain. And so when we have someone that's judging us, that's more pain. And that creates defensiveness, which creates also inflexibility and hardness. So we want to really follow in the footsteps of Job and intercede for those people in our life that are condemnatory or judgmental or oversimplify a situation that we're in. So let's look at 2 Corinthians. This is um, chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. And it says, this is out of the Message Bible, and it's entitled The Rescue. 
And it says, All praise to the God and Father of our Master, Jesus the Messiah, Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who's going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. We have plenty of hard times that come from following the Messiah, but no more so than the good times of his healing comfort. We get a full measure of that too. It goes on to say, when we suffer for Jesus, it works out for your healing and salvation. If we are treated well, given a helping hand and an encouraging word, that also works to your benefit, spurring you on face forward, unflinching. Your hard times are also our hard times. And when we see that you're just as willing to endure the hard times as to enjoy the good times, we know you're going to make it. No doubt about it. <coughs> and I just love how encouraging that is. It says, when we suffer for Jesus, it works out for your healing and salvation. If we're treated well, giving a helping hand and encouraging word, it also works to your benefit, spurring you on. Face forward, unflinching. Your hard times are also our hard times. This is what friendship is. That I can say to you that your hard times are my hard times. I'm affected by your hard times. I hate to see people in pain. My whole life's work is about relieving pain and suffering and helping there to be less of it. And so when we see that you're just as willing to endure hard times, when I see that you're willing to endure hard times and you see that I'm willing to endure hard times, then we know we're going to make it. And we don't doubt it. So what's the next thing that we learn from Job's life? This is number four. We live a life of repentance, asking for God's forgiveness, forgiving ourselves and forgiving others. That's the life of Christ. That's the whole point of Jesus, is forgiveness of sin. So we forgive ourselves, we forgive others, we forgive the world. Every single day we practice forgiveness. This is what caused Job to have his life better at the end than it ever started, and God doubled his fortune because he was willing to intercede for his friends and not hold it against them. So let's look at this next one. This is number five. What else can we learn from Job's life? We continue to believe that nothing is impossible for God. That he can do immeasurably more than what we ever could think or imagine. That his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And that nothing and no one can undo his plans. Furthermore, we will trust the one who died for us. You can trust the one who died for you. You can believe he has good plans for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans for a hope and for future. That's who our God is. 
And he made those claims before you were ever born. It's written into the universe. It's written into his creation. That his people that love him, called according to his purposes, can know that he has good plans in spite of our fallenness. He has good plans for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. And plans for a hope and a future. So let's look at what the psalmist says in chapter 118. This is verse 17 through 29. I love this. It says, I didn't die, I lived. And now I'm telling the world what God did. God tested me. He pushed me hard, but he didn't hand me over to death. Swing wide the city gates, the righteous gates. I'll walk right through and thank God. This temple gate belongs to God. So the victors can enter and praise. Thank you for responding to me. You've truly become my salvation. The stone the Masons discarded as flawed is now my capstone. This is God's work. We rub our eyes. We can hardly believe it. This is the very day God acted. Let's celebrate and be festive. Salvation now, God. Salvation now, oh yes, God. A free and full life. Blessed are you who enter in God's name. From God's house we bless you. God is God. He's bathed us in light. Festoon the shrine with garlands. Hang colored banners above the altar. You're my God, and I thank you. Oh my God, I lift high your praise. Thank God he's so good. His love never quits. That's, that's amazing. He says his love never quits. In fact, let's look at how God really loves us, how he really feels about us. I want you to know this verse very well. His love never quits. You might quit on God from any given moment of the day or maybe even a season in your life, but he never quits on you. Never. So let's look really at how God loves us. Because we're going to look at this infamous love chapter. And this is a different way to look at it. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And it's verse 4 through 8 where we see the word love. And this is what we're going to do because God is a God of love. God loves. So we're going to insert the word God. And I just love how this sounded when, when, I, when I did it this way. Because we know that God is love. So let's read this. God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. God does not boast. God is not proud. God does not dishonor others. God is not self-seeking. God is not easily angered. God keeps no records of wrong. God does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. So even if I deserve the consequences I incur, he does not revel in this. 
God does not delight in evil, but he rejoices with the truth. And the truth, God always protects. God always trusts. God always hopes. God always perseveres. God never fails. His love never fails. I think it's amazing when you think about that he wrote the love chapter not just to teach us how to love, but to tell us who he is, how he loves. He's patient with us. He's kind toward us. He doesn't envy. Even though we know he's a jealous God, he's jealous over us. But he doesn't envy if we love something more than we're loving him at that moment. He doesn't boast. He's not proud. Oh my goodness, could you imagine if, if, if we had a prideful God? He would never even tolerate us. He's humble. He doesn't dishonor others, even if they deserve it, even if they're acting dishonorably. He's not self-seeking. So he's not self-seeking when he loves us and intercedes in our life and wants to be in our life. Thank God he is not easily angered. And this one I really like. He keeps no record of wrongs. Because my goodness, if he kept a record of all my wrongs, <laughs> that would not be a good day. So God also always protects me. And this one is all, this, this verse is very humbling. He trusts. I'm, I'm not always trustworthy. But he trusts me. I'm his friend. And he always hopes. He's always hoping for me. He's holding hope for me when I can't hope anymore. And he's always persevering. He never quits. He never gives up. He never fails. God never fails. So I want you to be really encouraged today that you can trust the one who died for you, he, that he has good plans for you, and they are always to prosper you and not to harm you and plans for hope in, in, and a future. And this is what's so powerful when we look at Job's life. Is that this verse in Jeremiah 29.11-13, that applied to Job's life. That all the while Job was being tested, God had good plans. And he was planning to prosper Job. Didn't want to harm him. And he planned for a future full of hope. And he promised that he would give that to Job. And so when we look at this passage in Psalms, it says, I didn't die, I lived. And now I'm telling the world what God did. I want, I want this to be said of us. God tested us. He pushed us hard, but he didn't hand us over to death. And that we're thanking God for responding to us. That he gave us true salvation. And this is God's work. And there's going to be things he does that we can hardly believe. That this very day God is acting in your life. And it is for salvation. So I want to bless you in the name of, of, of Jesus. I want you to know how much God loves you. And he has good things for you. 
And you can trust this. No matter what is happening in your day, no matter what is happening in your, in your circumstances, in your life right now, you can trust the one who died for you. So Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Check out the website. Listen to the rest of the shows. Have a blessed day, and I will talk to you tomorrow. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah.